MNK Talk YA now presents Cinder Part 2 of the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. Welcome back to M&K Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is a podcast where we talk all about YA fiction. Yep. And this time we're finishing up with Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? I, am, I don't know. Is that wrong? That, I, I don't know. It could be. I was pronouncing it Mayer in our intro credits, so I will re-record that. Or maybe we should say Cinder by Marissa Mayer and then... I'll look it up. I'll look it up, like, how to pronounce it. I'll get back to you. That's, that's the problem with reading things. You don't always know. I know. It's like in Harry Potter when everyone pronounced um, Hermione's name, like, Hermoine. I think there's a whole blog on ways people pronounced Hermione's name. I did it her, her my own until... Actually, that's kind of pretty. I always said Hermoine, which is the ugliest sounding name. <laughs> in the history of names. Just so you know, one of the best days of my life is when this old lady at church turned to me and goes, you look just like that girl from Harry Potter, Hermione. And I was like, thank you, old lady. Oh. It's funny because I don't at all. Look like Emma Watson? That was a really good compliment, actually. Yeah, it was very early um, Harry Potter, though, and I think it was, I was just having kind of a crazy hair day, and you know how the first few oh. years her hair was kind she of... She had really wild yeah. hair. <laughs> well... I would still take it as a compliment. <laughs> oh, I do. I brag about it, as you just witnessed. Did you see um, Fantastic Beasts? I did, yes. Speaking of Harry Potter, what did you think? I think I was actually pleasantly surprised because I went in with really low expectations. Okay. I went in with really high expectations, and I ended up hating it. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I went in just being like, how dare they do any more Harry Potter stuff? But then if they're doing more Harry Potter stuff, I have to see it kind of thing. And then I was like, oh, it's a little bit better than I thought it would be. But I, I'm very protective of the original, you know, stuff, even though it's J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that. thank you. That is, like, my exact thoughts about it, too. And everyone thinks I'm crazy for saying it. But I was just like, the original books were so special and so, um, they were just, like, so important to kids growing up. And now, like, all these spinoffs that they're doing is just cheapening it for me. I feel like it's sort of like even, this is going to sound really stupid, but you know how people are like, oh, now that we commercialize all these holidays, like they're losing their meaning and blah, blah, blah. That's kind of how I feel like Harry Potter is becoming. They're like commercializing it too much or something. Mm -hmm. And it's getting away from like what Harry Potter was. Yeah, because it was never, I mean, sure, it was about like making money at the beginning, but like it was, it was so much more than that. And now it's just like they want to keep it going you know, because they want to keep profiting from it. And I, I just think I'm like, I'm willing to let it go. You know, yeah. even like, did you read The Cursed Child? I actually haven't read that because of my same feelings. And I just yeah. haven't gotten around to it. But I do, I do like her other books. Like, I mean, what's her uh, pen name? Oh, The Silkworm. Yeah, I like, like, I mean, I, I really support her as a writer still and whatnot. But I just feel like the Harry Potter has ended and let's. Mm-hmm. Let's let it go. Yeah. Let's let it die gracefully. But, but the same thing, like, I'm such a sucker for it. Like, if something comes out that's Harry Potter related, like, I, 
I can't not read it. Like, I have to read it. So I'm, like, totally falling into their trap. Yep. I know. I get it. Did you find um, what your Patronus was? Oh, I did. It took me a while to rediscover because I have not been on Pottermore for a while. But I actually have a really cool Patronus and apparently a really rare one, it told me. Oh. I'm a hippogriff, or I have a hippogriff Patronus. That is amazing. Right? You're Buckbeak. Yeah, pretty much. So you're like, you, you can be really mean, but once people like bow to you and warm up to you, you become really friendly and helpful. I mean, as my friend, you can probably relate to that, right? <laughs> is that what that's trying to say? <laughs> it does say, description of a hippogriff, I'm now Googling things, immensely proud and extremely dangerous. So that's how I would describe myself. You're only dangerous when you're in a bookstore. If you're standing between me and a book, yes. Watch out. <laughs> or candy. I really like my candy. <laughs> I'm basically a 12-year-old. It's okay. That's why I like young adult fiction so much. I got a wolf, which I thought was pretty badass. I liked that. Have you ever read Never Cry Wolf by Farley Mowat? No. I haven't even heard of it. It's one of the books I say changed my life because it inspired me going to the Alaskan outback for three weeks and living in the wild. (laughs) And trying to find wolves. Trying to live with wolves. Pretty much. How'd that work out? Um, Well... It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but now I'm a proud, dangerous, hippogriff, Patronus carrying muggle. So there's that. <laughs> no match. <laughs> We're in America here. That's that's true. I turned 11 in Europe, though, so does that mean I'm... Can I... I no. don't know. How does that affect it? No. Okay. <laughs> I, um... I liked... I, the thing that I didn't like about the um, Patronuses, though, was that some of the animals were super generic, like wolf... You know, like, there's so many other different types of wolves you could be. And then they had, like, 28 different kinds of cats. <laughs> like, if you looked at the list of, of animals. I, I've never actually looked at the whole list. I just remember we did have um, a text exchange with some of our coworkers about everyone's Patronus. So. Some people were not happy. <laughs> like, the person who got shrew. We won't mention who that was. <laughs> but that, that might be the absolute worst Patronus I've ever heard. Oh, man. That was funny. Well, who were we just talking about earlier who got salmon? That's, oh, my cousin's fiance got salmon. And he was okay. really upset. But that I don't think a salmon's that bad. I don't, I mean, I guess I'm kind of, I really like, I like to eat it. <laughs> I really like fish in the ocean and I'm not as familiar with salmon Well, they have to like swim all the way up upstream, you know, at the, like to mate and then die. So like they're tenacious. They've got a goal. They're strong. I don't know. I mean, like, I get, like, whale shark if you're going to be a fish, like... I mean, everyone wants to be a whale shark over a salmon, but I was trying to make (laughs) him feel better. I I don't think it worked. (laughs) I mean, it's better than, like, goldfish. Yeah, exactly. A salmon, you know, you could stand behind a salmon. But my my sister's (laughs) boyfriend got ragdoll cat, and I had no idea what that was. I don't know what that is either. It was one of the 28 cats that you could get, a ragdoll cat. (laughs) I want to know what it is, though. Can you, have you Googled it? What's a ragdoll? I should have. I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered at the time, but. I'm imagining it. You know those dogs? Have you seen those dogs that kind of have like dreads? Yeah, like they look like mops. Yeah, the mop dogs. That, for some reason, that's what I first thought of a cat like that, but I don't think that's a real cat. All right, I have to Google it. It kind of sounds like a musical number from the show Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it? Like the old ragdoll cat. It's like a tap number. Oh, it's actually really pretty. It's a, it, it, it kind of looks like a Siamese cat. It has, it's muscular. <laughs> That's the description. It's a muscular cat. 
with a soft, silky coat, and it needs grooming. Cats and I don't really get along particularly well, if I'm being honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I just think we don't understand each other. Because <laughs> I've grown up with dogs so much, and I like don't know how to approach an animal that's so different from a dog. Oh, and you try to treat it like a dog, and it doesn't like that. And they're like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a dog. Don't do get that away to me. from me." <laughs> or, well, okay. The other thing was, so our friend Alicia has a cat who I actually do enjoy a lot. And the first time I was like over there by myself watching the cat, um, Lucy cat, and I wasn't even like, I wasn't even watching the cat, Lucy. Um, I wasn't even watching her. I just like stopped by to like keep her company for a little while and I showed up and she was meowing at me so much and I never, I realized I'd never actually heard a cat meow and I didn't know like how loud they are. Oh yeah. And I was really concerned because I grew up watching Lassie and I thought the cat was trying to tell me that the oven was on or like something, you know, so I like was checking knobs in her apartment to make sure that that there's not a gas leak. And then, and then I found out that cats just like to talk to you. And so ever since then I've. Lucy and I have gotten along much better. Now that you've figured out how to talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, my friend, um, her cats talk to her a lot, and she gets weirded out because she thinks that they're talking to ghosts in her house. <laughs> oh my and she gets really scared. You would love that. <laughs> and she was like, they always do it in the basement. And I was like, yeah, Janet, because ghosts live in the basement. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> they also said that the ragdoll cat... Um, is very floppy and it goes limp sometimes when you pick it up. <laughs> is that why it's called a ragdoll? I think so. It goes limp okay. when you pick it up. I'm glad we cleared <laughs> if that. If I up. picked up a cat and it went limp, well, now I won't be so concerned, but I think I would be really worried I broke, <laughs> I broke it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I broke your cat. My dogs don't do this. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's a ragdoll. It's supposed to do that. We bred it that way. I don't know why you do that. I don't get the benefit of just going limp. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, did you have any announcements you needed to make before we get into Cinder Part 2? I don't think I had any announcements this time. I'll probably think of things once we sign off, but... The only thing that I wanted to do was, um, I wanted to say if anyone likes podcasts, um, there's another one you should check out. Because our friends Michael Howard and Michael Cushing started up two podcasts, actually. It's called Trends in Low Places. And the longest days of our lives, and they're on iTunes right now. So that is awesome. We said we would do a little shout out to them in our podcast this week. Um, and the only other thing was, so my cousin, she lives in Chicago. Um, her name is Cecilia Ioli, and she is in a musical coming up in February. By the time you go live, it probably will be February. So if if you happen to live in Chicago and you like musical theater. Go check it out. She's going to be in Sweeney Todd at the Paramount Theater in Aurora, Illinois, which is not too far from Chicago. But the show's running February 8th through March 19th. And you can buy tickets at the Paramount Theater website, which is ParamountAurora.com. So if you like musicals, which I do, I do very much. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to go see her, actually. And she's back in Chicago, Mm because wasn't she doing, like, a show somewhere else for a little while? Yeah, she was in Colorado, actually, um, last summer doing some shows, and she just moved back, and it's so great to have her back in Chicago, and she got a really big role. She's Joanna in Sweeney Todd, so we're so happy for her, and she's an amazing singer. Um, I think it's going to be a really great show, so go check it out if you can. Awesome. Yeah. And that's all I had, so let's, let's finish up Cinder. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, boy. This one... 
I, okay. So I think we talked about this a little bit last time, how we had suspicions that she was Princess Selene. Mm-hmm. We were right. But that's kind of like the big reveal at the end, right? Like, by the way, um, you need to break yourself out of jail and everyone is kind of expecting you to overthrow this really powerful queen mm-hmm. and you didn't even know you were lunar or anything. Good luck. But don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the poor girl, like not only does she, she just gets keep, like keeps getting things laid on top of her like, oh, you're an orphan and you're a cyborg and oh, by the way, you're lunar and you're a long lost princess. Good luck. And okay, so I was thinking about this because I feel like this happens in a lot of like books and movies and whatnot, especially for um, characters about this age where they, even when you're reading it or watching it, you kind of know like, oh, that person's probably the person we're all talking about or looking for or whatever. But Mm -hmm. then they like, like their world gets turned around because they find out their like true but secret identity. And part of you is like, hey, come on, how did you not know you were Princess Celine? Or, like, all these clues. But then it's like, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then I was thinking about, like, what would I do if all of a sudden someone was like, by the way, like... You're a princess? Yeah, or, or like, whatever. Or you're a wizard, or you're a... I mean, like, any... You know, like, anything kind of... Even as much as I, like, dream about yeah. it, or, like, whatever, it would be so crazy. Or even just your parents aren't your real parents, and actually, like... It's just strangers who've been raising you. Know? you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know. And I think, like, I mean, to the reader, I think it's very obvious um, and very predictable that Cinder is going to end up as Princess Celine. But I think, you know, the fact that she was raised so horribly and just had no one think anything that she was worth anything, I mean, and when you're constantly brought down like that, it's it would be hard to believe, I think, that you were someone special or someone who mattered very deeply to your entire when you when your mom doesn't even your stepmom but when she doesn't even want you in the house and then to find out like an entire group of people or potentially depending on you relying on you yeah and also the fact that she belongs to her stepmother you know she has no power mm-hmm. she has no true belongings like her stepmother completely controls her and owns her she's essentially a slave so like to go from a a position of being very powerless to being one of the most powerful people in the world in the universe i mean there's lunar yeah we're talking universe here like mm -hmm. that's jarring but she's not even quite that person yet either because at the same time she's locked up in jail she doesn't have anybody that she can really trust i mean dr Mm -hmm. erlen basically was like oh just break out and come meet me in africa like Thanks for the instructions. Uh, MBD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of crazy. And I, I actually was, um, there's this one line in the book near the end that I just really identified with. Because part of me is like, why does it take her so long to like get on board with this? I knew it was coming. And then I was thinking again, like I said, about what it would be like if I was in her position. And she started like kind of downloading everything about Princess Celine and her brain thing and she looked up her birth date and she goes uh, the quote on page 35 she was almost a month younger than she'd always believed it was a small fact an insignificant fact and yet for a moment she had the distinct impression that she had no idea who she was anymore and I was Mm -hmm. like that would be like it's like everything about you it's your identity yeah it's a complete identity shift yeah it's just kind of crazy and then and then the other kind of interesting thing I think about realizing she was Princess Celine and that whole reveal with Dr. Erland was realizing that the reason the cyborg draft was happening at all and the reason that all those other cyborgs had died was to find her and kind of that like mm-hmm. mixed, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of the characters in this book have to kind of choose what their moral line is for 
some kind of greater good or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Dr. Erlen was trying to stop Queen Lavana. He was trying to, yeah, he was trying to find her to prevent war, essentially. Or to prevent her, Lavana taking over Earth. But he had to kill a lot of innocent cyborgs in the process. So I think she's definitely grappling with that kind of feeling of guilt. But at the same time, it's not, it's not, her, clearly not her fault. Yeah. And even just being on Earth, where being lunar is such a scary thing, being a cyborg is such a negative thing. And mm-hmm. now everyone knows, like, she's, if she manages to get out of jail, she's going to be a fugitive. Like, yeah. Everyone's seen her picture or whatnot at this point. Yeah. Although I guess she can glam her now, right? That's true. Her gift came back. And also just like the fact that we found out that the lunars who escaped um, from the moon are the ones who brought the letamosis plague to Earth. You know, like, even though they didn't know they were carrying it, they didn't intend to spread it. That just compounds the prejudice against lunars now is that they know that they are the reason that this plague is devastating Earth. Wait, do they know that, though? Or just Dr. Erlen knew that? I think just just Dr. Okay. Erlen knows that, and now Which is almost um, scarier, because if, if the Lunars knew that, then even the, like, good ones who are trying to interact in society or whatever and really are trying to escape Luna, then maybe they could take certain precautions, but if they're not even aware, then they're just going to keep interacting yeah. and spreading it around. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows, but 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 um, Lavana knows yeah. because she has that antidote now that she's trying to um, leverage black ma- yeah to marry Kai, which is another example because Kai is trying to do you know choose the greater good situation. Like the only reason he's considering marrying her, obviously, is because he wants to protect his nation, and the plague mm-hmm. is like their biggest problem right now. Right, and it is you know he's willing to sacrifice himself to save his people, which as your role as an emperor that that is your job your job is to do everything you can to protect your people but but again he's what like 17 years old or 18 years old or something and his dad just died i mean we talked about this last time feel for him it's so crazy to think about oh when cinder finds out too that lavana's plan for kai is to not even like she wants to go through with the marriage but after she marries him her plan is to kill him so that she can completely become empress and take over earth like, she really is just using him to get control of the kingdom, and once she has that, he'll be worthless, and she's her, she's going to kill him. Yeah. Either way, you're going to lose your country. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, even if she wants to kill him, but it's still not going to be super easy for her, for her, if she, like, legitimately kills him openly, you know, if she murders him and it's public. But she can just brainwash everyone into believing whatever she wants. I feel like it's still hard to brainwash that many people on earth and stuff what i'm saying is there'd be like a rebellion right yeah. i mean i think i don't know like i feel like she i feel like there's lots of ways she can kill him i mean the most obvious would be to brainwash someone else to like murder him and then like hang that person and be like i'm so upset that this person killed my husband even though or just like like what she did to that servant where she almost made that servant cut out her own eye or where she made cinder almost shoot herself in the head like put a weapon in, in the person's hand and make them feel like they want to kill themselves I think that's what she'd probably want to do. But even that, everyone would suspect. I feel like the best way... Okay, I'm the, if I was Queen Lavana and I wanted to kill my husband... What's the best way to kill Kai? I would, I would have his advisor... I'd brainwash his advisor to kill him and then throw up an outrage, even if it wasn't believable, and have him <laughs> hang for it. Yeah. yeah. You really are a hypocrite. I'd kill them both. I don't trust the advisor as Queen Lavana. <laughs> I'm proud and dangerous, everyone. It's actually a really good idea, though. I mean, like, that, that would make That would probably pan out. I'm, I'm really glad you don't live in that universe. 
Or if I did, that I'm not lunar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I still don't understand her. Mo- I mean, I understand her motivation. It's just like very power driven. But I'm, I'm just kind of like, I'm sad for her. And I'm confused if she's representative of how all lunars are for real. Or if she's I don't like, think she you is, know, how she got to be such a tyrant. There's definitely a backstory of how she got the way she is. I'm sure that we'll probably read. <laughs> I think it's so, <laughs> I just think it's kind of ironic that, like, I, lo- I love dystopian fiction so much, but I kind of, like, feel like I'm living in a dystopian fiction world, like, right now. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know, I was, like, reading Cinder when um, Trump was inaugurated, and it was just, like, this really funny, weird part when, like, Lavana shows up to Earth for the first time, and it was like the same time that like Obama was welcoming Trump, and like it was just making me laugh because like Kai was being so forcing himself to be so polite to her, but like you know in his head he was thinking like, oh my god, I hate you so much, just please get off my planet, like I don't want you here, and I was just like, oh my god, there's so many parallels here. <laughs> Hopefully, whatever happens the next four years is nothing like a lot of this dystopian fiction world we read. But Well, it's just like, and then there's like, oh, everyone hates the Lunars because they immigrated to Earth. And it's just like, there's so much prejudice against cyborgs. And I was just like, oh my god, I can't be reading this book right now. But at the same time, I think that's why, don't they say like people who are children who've read Harry Potter are like less likely to demonstrate like racism and certain things just because. And have prejudices. Yeah. You're like reading about different people, even if they're not real different people, I think opens your mind and helps you be more accepting and recognize that people are more than their labels. And people, and that we're all, we all have so many more similarities than we do differences. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. And just, like, reading more about, like, what Cinder goes through with her stepmother, like, when she takes her foot away, and she was just so... Oh, and then she dismantles Eco, like, that... She was just um, so terrible to her, and just kept telling her, like, well, what are you gonna do if people find out you're not human? Just, like, not calling her human, calling her disgusting, a machine. It was just... It was so... It was so awful. It was. And I mean, and you can read things like that as a kid and know, you know, everyone knows the stepmom in Cinderella is evil, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, how do we kind of translate that to how we view the world and treat everyone with kindness? And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's good that kids read these kind of books because, yeah, like you said, with Harry Potter. But it is, I mean, it is scary when these kind of crazy dystopian scenarios start to feel real or you know when people start quoting 1984 and totally stuff and you're like and we're like yeah we're talking about cyborgs and androids here but like there's still very real parallels about not treating people like they're humans before anything else yep you know i wonder if we'll ever have cyborgs and androids walking among us and how that will go down have you watched this show westworld have you yeah heard that? yeah okay. I, I have watched it I just started watching it, but that's, I was thinking about that when I was watching it. I've only watched like two episodes so far. It's interesting. I mean, it's awful because it's like people purposely come to the world to do terrible things to people that they can't do in real life and get away with. And it's, that's like super disturbing because they still look like human beings and they, I don't know, they're still programmed to have human emotions and it's... Well, and whoever, I mean, in one of the early episodes, someone at the park was basically like, we don't want them to be too lifelike. You don't want to think of your, like, husband going here and, you know, sleeping with a real person. A real, or what, you yeah. Know, like, the more lifelike they are, the more uncomfortable people get. But that doesn't seem to be the problem at all. Yes, I agree. It, well, it's always, like, the question, like, when you don't know that you're talking to a human 
you don't you can't tell the difference between a human and a computer it's like that's when you've reached perfection yeah right but i don't know i feel like there's already talk of like um companion androids or like escort androids being developed now Mm -hmm. and it's just it would be weird to see where that takes us and how we treat them like I don't feel bad when I drop my cell phone even though I talk to Siri or whatever right but like like where is that line and it's hard to draw I don't know at some point like I feel like there's some things that are clearly not and some things where you you know well I think it's more like the more someone resembles you the more empathy you have for it right which is kind of effed up but like if something looks extremely human and acts extremely human it's going to be hard to treat it like a cell phone yeah but how similar to us do they have to look before because I I get the sense that some of the cyborgs look very mechanical still Mm -hmm. in Cinder right like right but they're clearly still human yeah yeah, and like Eco too, like she doesn't necessarily look human, but when you dismantle her, it's hard not to think of it as murder. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think when I grow up, I'm going to be an advocate for android rights. <laughs> I'm going to be an android rights activist. <laughs> we can start our own spew like Hermione. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just <laughs> Vote for me. <laughs> uh, um, so I did have like, the thing that I do like about the book, the book though, is that even though there are some, there's definitely some heavy moments. There's also so much humor, mm-hmm. like the scene where she goes to the ball to warn Kai that Levon is going to murder him, and she shows up in that dress that is like completely wrinkled and soaked, and her gloves are stained, and there's mud everywhere, and she is at the top of the ballroom, and they announce her as his special guest, and everyone turns and looks at her, and she's like, you know what? Like, screw it all. I'm just going to walk down these stairs. And she's just, like, so strong and so defiant. And just and I laughed out loud when I read that scene because it was so funny. Well, and she's got a lot of – she's very sarcastic. And I think it's actually kind of sad. I think some of her ability to, like, talk back to Kai and whatnot is because she's insecure about certain things. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I think she's got a lot of good lines. She does. And there is even – you know, even though she's now a princess and Kai is an emperor and they're dealing with all this heavy stuff and her – sisters die you know throughout this whole book all this heavy stuff is going on they are also what young teenagers they're teenagers falling for each other and there's a lot of levity in that as well yeah there's like nothing more exciting than that when you're that age and you know that someone likes you and it's the first time that someone has really paid attention to you Although, okay, how much would you freak out if someone kissed you and then you're like bio sense, like you, you're, you're, everything completely shut down and you're like, and they don't even know that you're partially mechanical in the first place. So you can't really be like, oh, sorry, my wires got crossed. Sorry, I just short circuited. <laughs> that would be, yeah, like I could see how that would be mortifying. And confusing. Yeah. Even though, like, I like whenever Dr. Erland is talking to her and she was like, you know what? I was a little busy because my foot fell off and I, like, fell down the stairs. And he was like, you worry about such silly things. Like, no, it's fine that you're cyborg. Like, I I kind of liked that. Not that he was, like, he shouldn't have been dismissive of her feelings, but at the same time he was just like, you are more than that. You know, like no, you I are. Know. Well, he's he's a funny character, and I feel like he's got more of a backstory too, because and kind of around that same part where she said the birthday thing, when they're talking, mm-hmm. and he goes, "All I expect is for you to find a way out of this prison and come meet me in Africa." She stared at him as the words gradually seeped into her brain. It seemed almost <laughs> simple when he said it like that. Like he's like, <laughs> but like, that's all I'm asking. He just kind of he does kind of oversimplify these things, and part of it is he's much older, has different motivations, like 
has had time to think through like maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't expecting it to happen just like this but he's been looking for her for so long and he's right. been but also he just be- he fully believes that she's capable of doing that yeah whereas she that's still kind of a little scary to her even though she still was gonna fly go flee to europe um so she was still making plans to leave her stepmother but i think it's just like he believes in her you know he found her he wholeheartedly believes that she has what it takes to be princess Celine. And that's like that's she needs that type of encouragement, I think, at this point. And what do we what do we think Kai thinks of her right now? Um ugh, I don't I feel I like, think he was surprised. Okay. I feel like he reacted to the realization that she was cyborg and lunar and everything initially physically negatively. Does that make sense? Like his face <gasps> right. kind of but showed a little bit of disgust. But I don't think I don't think that was because she was cyborg. I think that's because he doesn't know what the hell is going on and feels like everyone's been lying to him. Yes. I think he was confused too because when her power comes back, I remember she um she uses her glamour for the first time and he hated that because it reminded him of Lavana and he was like, You're even harder to look at than she is. Yeah, he feels he's just concerned that she's been deceiving him the whole time. Yeah. The thing they hate most about Lavana is her manipulation, right? So, mm-hmm. but at least they know that she's manipulating them when they're there. And he all, he doesn't know that she didn't know she was lunar. He doesn't know, right? As far as I remember. No. I mean, he knows that she's lunar now. But he doesn't know that she didn't know. Like, for all he knows, right. she's been secretly lunar the whole time. And he thinks that yeah. she's been manipulating him. And there's no way that she can really prove that she hasn't. I don't know. I I hope that he comes around to her. I mean, if it's, you know, fairy tales and happily ever after, right? I mean, yeah, it's still based on a fairy tale, so we have to assume that it has a happy ending. Here's the other thing, though. Hypothetically, she does, she's queen of the Lunars and takes over from Lavana, blah, 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 and they still like each other. He's, Earth still doesn't trust the Lunars, and I feel like their relationship isn't going to be super accepted anyways. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, him him marrying the queen of the Lunars when it's Lavana is negative, so why would it be that much different if it was her? Well, I think she would have to do a lot of work proving that she had Earth's best intentions at heart because I I don't think that Earth is completely opposed to a treaty with Luna. I think they I think would they like want that. Peace. Yeah. They want peace and they don't want they just don't want to be manipulated. They don't want to have an emperor an empress who's going to come in and brainwash everyone into complete submission Mm -hmm. so i think she would just have to be really careful about being very diplomatic and how and how the peace treaty would work and then i also wonder if she'll be tempted by like you know she struggled with kind of acceptance and love and whatnot growing up on earth if she's welcomed back with open arms on luna or really like finds her place there will she even want anything to do with Earth? you know i don't i mean like oh there's just like some kind of i think the lunars would accept her though because she's i mean she's the rightful heir yeah so if they i mean if the Assuming they accept her with open arms and she like feels like, oh, this is where I belong. These are my people. And Earth was kind of more associated with mostly negative memories. I wonder. Would she even want to go back? Yeah. I think she would if she loved Kai. Yeah. What do we make of Lavana's mutant army? The, the creatures that she created mm-hmm. that she intended for Kai to see to say almost like, okay, if you don't marry me, here's what's going to happen. I have created an army that I'm going to use against you. I don't even know what to think about that yet. It seems like... She is playing on multiple fronts, which is smart from her perspective, but it's hard to figure out, you know, what the right move is for the the good guys, the earthen people. Like, she seems to have a lot of cards in her 
deck right now. She sure does. She's got a strong hand. And she just doesn't really care. Like, it doesn't seem like she has any emotional ties to anyone or anything right now. Well, also, like, I, the one thing I do have to admire about her is she is so confident. Like, Mm -hmm. she has no problem believing that she's going to come to Earth, she's going to marry Kai, she's going to kill Kai. First, maybe she'll get an heir from Kai, and then she'll kill him. And then she will have no problem controlling the entire Earthen population. Yeah, but she also relies so much on that control. And she's supposed to be, like, the most powerful lunar around. So I'm curious if without that to kind of fall back on, like, she needs all that control because she actually isn't very Mm -hmm. confident. You know, she doesn't trust people to... She doesn't trust people, I don't think. That's why she has to control them all. I think she trusts her um, thaumaturges. I think even that, she she trusts them to be scared of her. She trusts that their loyalty is to her because she's powerful. I don't think she trusts them in like a they care for me and I care for them way. I don't think she cares about them. I think she just is going to rely on them heavily to get to do what she knows she has to do. Yeah. I looked up what ther- thaumaturge means. Oh, yeah? How do you pronounce that? I don't I'm know. pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure. Thermitage? Yeah, I don't know. Because I had no idea what it meant and I kept seeing it. So I looked it up and it means miracle worker. And it's oh. someone who uses magic for non-religious means. Um, I guess back in the day, they were sometimes considered healers who could cure diseases with, like, their touch was a, a curative. And oh. the one disease that they uh, were very famous for curing was tuberculosis, which is kind of like lyptomosis. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they are, I mean, they do have glamours and they can brainwash people. So I think the name is pretty fitting. I'm excited to see Luna. Like I said, I mean, a lot of it is earthens are fearful of lunars so how different is the relationship on luna between the strong lunars and the normal lunars the shells yeah are there shells or not the shells not the shells but i mean they said you know like the thermo the thermo whatever they're called and queen lavana are exceptionally gifted oh so there's probably a hierarchy in luna where like you might not have a strong gift like i wonder if they're healers there you know if they use their magic for good on luna or something i call it magic but it's not magic remember dr erlen got very mad because he was like don't call it magic because that just gives them power they just manipulate like bioelectrical energy which is kind of cool and kind of and kind of crazy i can't i I want to do that well no, I don't. I take that back. Because I would be really tempted to use it, and then I would feel like a terrible person. Yeah, and then but it also gets... Are there certain situations where it's okay to use it? Or Oh, yeah, like in maybe defense. You don't want to mug me. Or like it could help people. Like someone's not feeling good, and you're like, oh, no, you look great today. Or I mean, you're <laughs> like, you could like convince... I don't know. That was my best example. This is how I would help the world. I would tell people they look great today and convince them. <laughs> Well, maybe I could convince, maybe I could convince people that they should like read more books and then the world would be Well, we're doing that right now with our podcast. (laughs) It's true. We're essentially thaumaturges right now. (laughs) Very little difference between us. Do you you listeners feel like your bioelectricity is being changed by our voices? We're glamoring you right now via microphone across our port screens. That's why we're doing a podcast and not a YouTube video because our glamour would not work. (laughs) I actually don't, I don't know if there's anyone even listening to us. I'm pretending that there are. I'm talking to the ghosts of the cats. <laughs> there you go. Oh my gosh. I also, I just, the one thing I really, I do like about this book is how charming it is. And I like how the parallels to the Cinderella story are, they're subtle, but if you know the story, you'll think it's really clever. Like, did you get that her getaway car that she takes to go to the ball is an orange color? And she's just like, oh, this car is a hideous orange color, but it's the only thing I have. And I was like, oh, because it's meant to be the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember that part. That yeah. was so cute. 
or just like the part where the stepsisters and the stepmother get really upset at Cinder and they um, they steal her foot. And it was kind of like the scene where the stepsisters like tear her dress. And and instead of losing a slipper, she lost her foot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like it would be clear that, you know, if, if he wanted to look around and find out who, I wonder if that, I wonder if she'll escape and because of her glamour, they'll have to like match her foot to her body or something well yeah because now <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that sounded weird well they'll have they'll have to track her down somehow you know you know i mean they're definitely gonna have to try and find her and that is kind of like the part in cinderella um where it during the disney movie remember like the midnight strikes and she has to run yeah and if you ever like go back and watch that scene it's terrifying because she's like, oh my god, I have to get out of here. And then as soon as she tries to leave, the palace guards flip out. And they're like, get after her, lower the gate, she can't leave. It's it's actually, like, kind of really disturbing if you go back and watch it. Like, I have not well, in a long time. Because she just, she didn't want to stay anymore. She wanted to go home. But they were like, no, the prince decided she's the one. And now you have to stay in this palace. I did, okay, this is kind of related. But I heard this quote the other day. It was like, Cinderella didn't ask for a prince. She asked for a night out and a pretty dress. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's actually kind of true. Like, she would, like... That is so true. I think that's from the selection. <laughs> is that I what it's, it's from? from the selection. But that's such a good quote, because she was like, yeah, that's all she wanted, a night out and a dress. And then she tries to leave, and they try and trap her. And yeah. in, the, in the original story, too, this is even more disturbing. In the original Brothers Grimm's Tale, the prince puts tar down on the stairs so that when she runs down the stairs she'll get stuck in the tar i remember (laughs) reading that part too are you kidding me i'm sorry that's like one step above putting a roofie in a drink if you're talking about like gender issues in disney films and stuff like if you look at a lot of the early princess tales to be fair they're based on older stories and whatnot but i mean there's a lot of like questionable things going on between what we define as romance and what oh like, my god is actually kind of creepy my kids are watching frozen and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and if they're watching frozen i'm gonna be singing i'm gonna mute it and sing along oh they'll them, love that so my kids will be really lucky oh yeah it's just it's so it's maybe cars cars was good toy story will be allowed all the pixar, all the pixar ones. ones yeah but like especially um like, Snow White is messed up. Sleeping Beauty, don't even yeah. get me started there. Like, oh, let me just kiss this girl yeah. while she's sleeping. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, didn't that happen in Snow White, yeah. too? Yeah. Wasn't she, like, poisoned? And, oh, yeah. man. And even just the... Okay, have you seen um, The Swan Princess? I used oh, to my love God. That I, it's not I Disney, love that but, movie. But there's some really good lines in there where, you know, he's like, I love you. And she's like, why? And he goes, you're beautiful. What and else? she's like, what else? And he's what else like, is what there? else is there? <laughs> And then his friend is making fun of him, and he goes, you should write a book, How to Offend Women in Five Syllables or Less. <laughs> That's my favorite quote. And at least they're making fun of that. Like, clearly that was not the right thing to say or believe. Yeah. 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 And they do that in Frozen, too. I loved the part where um, she meets, I don't know anyone's name, but she meets the Iceman. And she is, like, talking about how she was going to marry the other guy. The guy who she knew for yeah, five seconds. Yeah, and he seconds. was like, yeah. wait hold up, stop. You were going to marry a man you just met? And he was like, didn't your parents ever teach you about strangers? She was like, yes, <laughs> they did. <laughs> but I love that they made they made fun of that, finally, because yeah, it's like, no, it's such an absurd thing. Like, you know nothing about him, and then you're going to be his wife. Yeah, and it's one thing to be like, 
oh, I really like you based on our initial interaction. Let's go out sometime versus let's get married. Yeah, and I feel like, but I feel like today kids would watch that and they'd be like, what? You know, I I would hope so at least. I mean, that's pretty much what happened with your marriage, right? You guys knew each other for how long? (laughs) He showed up at our first date with a bucket of tar. (laughs) (laughs) To keep you strapped on the stairs. And then he waited till you were asleep to kiss you, and then you were had to marry him. And that's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Beauty and the Beast is another kind of whatever. Although I am excited to see the Oh, my gosh. Me, too. And um, Matthew Crowley's in it. I don't, well, you don't watch Downton Abbey, but I'm really excited to see Matthew Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's great. So I was at um, a comedy bar a couple months ago, and um, I went to use the bathroom, and someone wrote on the wall, Team Edward, and someone crossed it out and wrote Team Jacob, and then someone crossed that out and wrote Team Matthew Crawley. <laughs> it was like when Down Abbey was like at its peak, and she, it was like, will they, won't they? Like, will Lady Mary end up with Matthew Crawley? And it was like, Team Matthew Crawley. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Uh, was there anything else? I think we covered it. Hey, well, we want to let people know what we're doing next. Oh, yes. So we're going to, <laughs> such... or did you mean more about, do you mean more about Cinder? I guess I have no more I don't, to say about Cinder. I'm done. I'm done with reading. Cinder. <laughs> I want to keep reading. I don't think that's the last we've heard of her. No. Do we think she gets out of jail? I mean, they can't leave her in a cell and just be like, moving on, <laughs> moving on to Scarlet. Oh, you know what? You get to read the back of Scarlet. <laughs> oh, I do? Because mm-hmm. I had to stumble through mm-hmm. Cinder, so... You get to tell people oh, what man. Scarlet's all about. I should have read this ahead of time to make sure I can pronounce everything. Oh, that's half the no. fun. Okay, but first, so we're talking about Scarlet, which is the second book of the Lunar Chronicles, and we are saying about halfway is to finish books one and two, and if you have the hardback copy, that's up to page 242. Mm-hmm. So stop um, when you get to book three. Yep. And that's chapter... Read through chapter 23. Okay, so... Even in the future, beware of the big bad wolf, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Speaking of wolves, Patronuses. Be very afraid of me. Okay, Sender. <laughs> Sender, the cyborg mechanic, returns in the second thrilling installment of the best-selling Lunar Chronicles. She is trying to break out of prison, even though if she succeeds, she'll be the Commonwealth's most wanted fugitive. Halfway around the world, Scarlet Benoit's grandmother is missing. When Scarlet encounters Wolf... <laughs> Oh, creative name. A street fighter who may have information about her grandmother's whereabouts. She is loath to trust the stranger, but is inexplicably drawn to him and he to her. As Scarlet and Wolf unravel one mystery, they encounter another when they meet Cinder. Now all of them must stay one step ahead of the vicious lunar queen Levana, who will do anything for the handsome Prince Kai to become her husband, her king, her prisoner. Ooh. That sounds really good. I like the um, font on the back of the book, by the way. I I like the book covers, too, in general. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So this one's going to be based off of um, Little Red Riding Hood, it looks like. Yep, and there's a wolf in it, or a wolf person named Wolf. I wonder who that character is. And, and there's a missing grandmother. Yeah. So yes, I'm going to say this is um, Little Red Riding Hood. All right, I'm going to research Little Red Riding Hood, see all the disturbing things about that story that happened. I can't wait. <laughs> all right, so I think that's all. We figured out how we're going to sign off. Okay, should I go first? No, because first you're going to tell me a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so I looked up Cinderella-specific jokes, and I didn't really find any that were very good, but I'm still going to use I'll them. laugh at anything. Okay, actually, I, f- I saw this one that said, why was Cinderella no good at playing hockey? 
But I think that's a bad joke. And instead, I'm going to say, why was Cinderella no good at playing basketball? And it's because she was always running away from the ball. Ah, that's actually really (laughs) But why would Why would it be a hockey joke? Is don't they call it something else? Isn't it a yeah, puck? Yeah, it's definitely a, a puck. Ball? Or is it a ball? Maybe they call it ball yeah. in some other country. That was it. Like, maybe. <laughs> like Canada? I don't know. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Okay. I'm going to use that next day for Joke Friday. Awesome. Um, okay. It's not very good. I'll come up with a better one next time. I'm going to start looking up um, Scarlet, or Scarlet, um, Little Red Riding Hood jokes. Oh, now. okay. I'm a little worried what you'll find, but <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Or maybe Patronus jokes. Keep, Keep this, this Harry Potter theme going. going, even though we're not technically supposed to talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> even though we're like, that's not... We will never talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> we're going to mention it every episode at least three times. <laughs> um, okay, so our sign-off... Yeah, why don't you say what your sign-off's going to be? Okay. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library <laughs> card. <laughs> Bye. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.